This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Amen, amen. God bless you. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. If you're new with us, we would love for you to, to fill out uh, the, you just take your phone out and click on that little QR code right there and they'll, that'll take you to a site where you can um, actually register with us so we can get a hold of you and keep in contact with you. Good morning. We're in the middle of summer slump or beginning summer slump, and I'm glad that you're not slumping, that you're here. Uh, it, it, it's kinda, it would be kind of disheartening when you just have chairs, but I'm glad that you're here. And we are all huge advocates of vacations. So if you're preparing for a vacation, we applaud you. We encourage you. Go take your vacation. Some are coming. Some are going. Uh, but when you're in town, would you make sure that you're here? Why? Because the body of Christ needs you. Because I need you. We need you. Um, you may go, well, what people do even people know who I am? Just your presence here is important, and so we're thankful that you're here today. Uh, yesterday, we had our, the uh, Union Gospel Mission Fun Run 5K, 10K, and RLC showed up in success. Would you everyone say shout, RLC? RLC. Yeah, it was a great day. We had a good time with, with uh, loving where we lived, and uh, it sounds like RLC took a lot of the medals home for first, first place, first, second place, so we rock. We're amazing. Uh, I don't know if that speaks of us or our competition. I'm not sure. Uh, but, but we're glad that you came and joined us and uh, supported uh, Melody Anderson, who was coordinating all this with the Union Gospel Mission. And she's not here today, uh, not here in the first service. But if you see her, would you just tell her thank you for loving where she lives? She's leading, leading, leading by example, and I love that. Today, as you look around, Pastor Sarah's still on vacation. And Julie, she was present in video, but her and Marty are in Texas. They're on vacation as well. And God, right now, we just pray over our staff. We pray over their lives. We pray refreshing. We pray, God, would you just bless them? Would you strengthen them? And God, I pray that you would uh, uh, just speak life into their situations and circumstances. We thank you for them and what they do for us here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you are trying to get a hold of the office, we will be around. Uh, Julie, who is the brains of the organization is gone for the next two weeks. So if we don't have any brains, it's because she left us. And uh, no, but we, we seriously, we, we're, 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 we will hold it down. We, she did a good job in setting it up before we left. Uh, today we're continuing on in Bible 101. Everyone say Bible 101. Turn to your neighbor and say, did you bring your Bible? Did you bring your Bible? Come on, yeah, I hope so. Did you, if you didn't bring it in, in paper, you brought it on a phone, hopefully electronic devices. Uh, we're, we're in week number uh, four. Is that week number f- five? Week number five. Uh, lost my tr- Week number five. It's right here on top of my sheet. I got it. <laughs> Read your notes, Kevin. Uh, week number five. And last week we talked about the, the, because the Bible is true, uh, that it's relatable and it's applicable. And today I want to step into, because the Bible is true, it should impact the lens in which we see life through. And so today is going to be a, a kind of a, a navigation through the life and the culture and the world that we're living in. And I pray that you will open your hearts to receive. How many have gained something from the series? Yeah? 
you can participate. How many, one more time, how many have gained something from the series? Good, it's good to see your hands, participation. The goal of the series is not to tell you more about, more about from the Bible, but to teach and inspire you to learn from the Bible yourself. And that's been our whole desire, is that we would not just come and feed you more information, feed you more stuff, but somewhere it would challenge you, it would, it would create a curiosity in yourself to go and, and, and to read the Bible more, to step into it in a different fashion. Our desire is that RLC would not be people that just hear about the Bible on Sunday, but that that we would be people that personally use and know the Bible Monday through Saturday. And that's really what our heart's desire is. Our heart's desire is to empower you, to equip you to be able to be one who can step into the battle and fight for yourself with the Word of God. Uh, If you have your Bible today, would you hold it, grab them with me, whether it's on your phone or whether it's in paper copy, hold it up in the air here this morning. I I love this. We started it last week from years ago, but everyone say it with me. I have it on the screen this time. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And today, come on, today, I, I will be taught the Word of God. I'll boldly confess that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Today, as we come into this, this pattern that we can, sometimes we can quote things, we can even quote scripture, but are we allowing it to penetrate our lives? And I love the power of the Word of God as we've seen for the last several weeks as we've been looking into it. The Word of God has power. It can change your life, but it has to, the way it changes our life is by us taking possession of it, by us saying, no, this is mine, and I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. How many of you have, uh, in this room, have had or have some form of, of vision correction? Raise your hand if you have some form of vision correction. As you can tell, the last couple of weeks I've been wearing my bifocals because I'm struggling with my up-close, it's, it's, it's age. It's age, but you know, this, this thing called, called eye, eye correction, vision correction, that uh, how many are thankful in this room that you have the ability to see? Can, can you think about how much of life you would be missing without the ability to see? And I love it. I, I, you know, uh, if you've been to an eye doctor, you've, you know this chart here. If you would go to that next slide with the eye chart. There it is. You know, next, right there. Uh, you're going to, you, you see this eye chart and you're going to go, how many are familiar with this? You know, I don't know if, it, uh, there, was a, there was a phase in life that I would just memorize it, you know, and it's like going, uh, I'm just going to memorize it so that I don't, I don't want to wear glasses, you know, uh, and then I got to the place of going, no, I really want to be able to see, so probably I should be honest with what I can see. Is that correct, you know? And I think that's really true about our lives as we, we step in going, no, this is familiar. Vision correction is used to, rec- to correct refract- refractive errors such as myopia, which is nearsightedness, hyperopia, which is farsightedness, astigmatism, when light enters the eye incorrectly, or pre- pre- presbyopia, which is farsightedness due to aging, and then whatever I have, which is just old age. Uh, I don't know if it fits in one of those or not, maybe. But we use our eyes in almost every activity that we perform. We read, we work, we use it with our work, we use it with our writing, driving, and countless other ways. Our eyes allow us to see and to interpret shapes, colors, and dimensions in our world. Can I tell you that I, I, I value eyesight. I love the vibrancy of colors. I love the vibrancy of nature. I love the vibrancy to be able to see what I'm hearing, to be able to view and to, to just enjoy that. 
this eye graphic that we can see on this next slide is going to kind of show you the eyeball, and I'm going to kind of read through a description of what your eye does for you. Maybe some of you know this better than I do, but here we go. The process that creates our vision is very complex, and yet we rarely think about it in the morning when we first open our eyes. Light waves from an, from an object enter the eye through the clear cornea and then through the pupil. The cornea converges the light waves and produces an inverted upside-down image just behind the lens. Did you realize that what you see is upside down? Some people know, some people don't. This image is sent through a vitreous humor back to the retina at the rear of our eye. In the retina, light impulses are changed into electrical signals that are sent along the optic nerve to the brain, which combines and then interprets all these electrical signals as real-time visual images. Can I tell you today that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? I don't know about you, when I look at this picture going, this eye didn't just happen. There had to be a creator that created this eye. There had to be someone with a purpose and a method that didn't just happen. One thing that makes vision so amazing is that it's not actually, uh, that we, we do not actually see with our eyes, but rather with our brains. Our eyes are merely the beginning of the visual process. It is the combination of the eye and brain that translate light waves into the sensation that we call sight. For physical sight, 2020 vision is the goal. That is the ability to see a certain size object at a distance of 20 feet. Many people, however, do not have this precise vision. Two of most common reasons are nearsightedness or farsightedness. In both cases, the eye is unable to focus the light properly, so vision becomes blurry. Today, when I think about eyesight, when I think about corrective lenses, I've had all forms. I've had glasses from, from middle of high school, went to contacts, uh, different forms of contacts, had LASIK surgery, had cataract surgery, uh, glasses again. The battle of sight is just constantly there. Anybody have all of those encounters in your life? You know, you think about it, and you come back and go, no, I value my eyesight. I want to be able to see. There was a season that it was more about vanity because I didn't want to wear glasses, so I had LASIK. And it was amazing, but LASIK only lasts so long. And I won't tell you how many times I've had LASIK because then you could really judge me for my vanity, but hey. <laughs> but I can tell you there's an irritability when you're not able to see things clearly. When you get up in the morning and you're trying to read your Bible or you're trying to read something small print and you're trying to find directions and you're going, and the closer you get, the blurrier it is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And it's like this relief, even though glasses are a pain, this relief to be able to put them on and to be able to see. Today, when we think about this concept of eyes and needing for, glass, for, for, for vision correction, not only is this a physical thing, but this is also a spiritual thing. This is a spiritual thing that we need to step back and we need to understand the gravity of the concept of being able to understand and see what is real. The ability to focus, this idea of, of focusing the light properly so vision is not blurry. When you think about yourself spiritually, are you able to see life clearly? Not just life through your lens, but life through God's lens. Can I tell you that life is not about the, le the lens of your life, it's the lens of God's life. And many times we get so consumed about the, the, the lens that we're looking through of our personal life and our personal encounters that that's what gets us distracted. And today, I believe that we as believers have a constant need to have our spiritual vision corrected. 
And the way that we do that, the way that our spiritual vision is corrected is through the Word of God. The way that our vision is adjusted is through the Word of God. Because uh, the Bible is true, it should impact the lens in how we see life and how we look at life and how we look at the circumstances of life. We can look in the Old Testament. We see in 2, Corinthians, or 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, Elisha is in a city and, and his servant is there with him. And his servant looks out onto the hillside and he goes, uh, Elisha, do you see that the enemy has surrounded us? And Elisha is seen with his physical eyes, but he's also seen with his spiritual eyes. And he says, he says this in verse 17. He says, then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And it goes on and says, and the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Can I tell you today that many times we look at our circumstances and we look at our world and we look at our culture and our eyes are blinded to what's taking place. We're not seeing, we're seeing through our physical eyes, we're seeing how that circumstance impacts you as an individual, not how it's seen, we're not, we're not seeing it by the big picture that God wants us to see. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, Paul comes, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How many know that your heart has eyes? When we're talking about this concept of, of vision, of seeing, yes, we've just heard about the physical eyes. It, it goes, through, uh, goes through what we have in our eye sockets, this membrane and all that's there, and it transmits into our brain. There is something also that's within us that God placed us in, that there's eyes in our heart to understand. There's a perception that God wants us to receive. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, uh, the glory of his inheritance in the saints. How we see shapes how we live. How we see, say that with me, how I see, how, come on, how I see shapes how I live. Whether that's physically or whether that's spiritually. And today our challenge is not just to have a physical, physical perspective or physical clarity, but to have a spiritual clarity. How we see and how that, how that shapes us is what we would know as worldview. Today we want to talk about a worldview, be the lens that we're looking through. A worldview is a worldview, a collection of attitudes, of values, stories, and expectations. Attitudes, values, stories, and expectations about the world around us your perceptions, how you see it, how it affects you, how it imp 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 uh, implements into your life, around the world, about the world around us, which inform every thought and action. So today, how you see the world, if you're seeing it from the eye of, of, of you, and that's all that you're seeing of how it impacts your life, you're, you're going to make decisions about everything in your life on how you perceive it. And today, we want to stretch your worldview. We want to stretch your worldview to go, no, well, I don't want to just see it how I see it. I want to see it how God sees it. When we put this simply, this idea of worldview is the, a lens through which we see society and the world around us, and that lens determines our behaviors. Anybody ever get disappointed with other Christians across the land that you're going, well, why is their behavior the way it is? Can I tell it's the lens and what they're seeing is determining the behavior and how they're living. Do you ever get frustrated with your own self of your behavior? It's the lens in which you are seeing which is determining how you behave. 
A personal worldview is a combination of all, of all that you believe to be true. That's why it's so important that we come back and we understand and we're making this statement, because the Bible is true. Everyone say it with me. Because the Bible is true. If we believe that the Bible is true, then there somehow has to be this thing that's going to shape how we live. A personal worldview is this combination of all that you believe to be true, and what you believe becomes the driving force behind every emotion, behind every action and decision of your life. If I were to ask this question this morning and go, do you have a biblical worldview? Many of us would say, yeah, I've got a biblical, biblical worldview. But I want to ask you, does the Word of God determine your emotions today? Does the Word of God determine your perspective today? Has the Word of God determined your decisions yesterday? Will the Word of God determine your actions today? A worldview is the way that a human being looks at life. The way that we perceive things. Everyone has a lens in how, in, in the, in how we look at the world and what we believe about the world, and the way that we work, look at the world makes all the difference in how we live within this world. Your beliefs determine your behaviors. Your beliefs determine every facet of your life. And that's really what we want to come back to. If you believe the Word of God is true, if you believe that it's true, then we're not going to go through and cherry-pick certain verses out of it. We're going to take it as a whole, and we're going to go, no, this book is going to govern our lives. This book does have illustrations for me today. You may not realize it today, but everyone is Im impacted by our personal worldviews. Not only are you impacted by your personal worldview, but you're actually impacted by the person you're sitting next to's worldview. You're impacted by the people you work with. You're impacted by the, the teachers that you listen to. You're impacted by your coworkers. You're impacted by the media, social media, music, celebrities, whatever it may be. We are all impacted by one another's worldviews. And that's why it's so important that the greatest impact of our life is this. Because this impact, this book, is the stability and, impact, stability and worldview. It's the one that has the clarity that does not change. How many have had a relationship with somebody and their worldview has adjusted and changed over the years? Your perspective changes and you begin to adjust. God does not adjust and change. His worldview is what it is. It's why it's so important that we adhere to it. As Christ followers, we are not to see the Bible through the lens of the world. We are, see, we are to see the world through the lens of the Bible. And I think that through this entire series, when we step back and we talk about Bible 101, it's so important for us to grasp this concept that you and I will step back and we will sit down and we will read the Bible and we will interpret the Bible according to the signs of the times, right? We look at what's happening in our world, we look at what's going on, and we go, oh, well, that must mean that this, what this, this is what this means. You know, can I tell you the other, what it has to happen is that the Bible interprets how we see our world, the Bible interprets how we see our circumstances, how we see all those things that are taking place around us. Proverbs 4.23 says this, be careful. Everyone say careful. Yeah. Be careful. That word means take care of how you think your life is shaped by your thoughts. One of the translations says, as a man thinks, so is he. I want you to grasp this concept that, we, that the writer of, of Proverbs is saying, take care in how you think. 
If we were to pause right now and we were to take an evaluation of our thought life, how many, would be pleased, how, many, how many would be pleased if everything that you were thinking were being smattered on the wall? Can I tell you that it's so important that when we step and we look at this concept of taking care, that's what the writer of Proverbs is going, saying. Are you aware of what you're thinking? Would you be all right if someone else knew what you were thinking? Take care, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Yes, thoughts about yourself, thoughts about other people, but I want to come back and I want to focus on this process of thinking about what we think about our world. What you believe shapes your thinking, and your thinking shapes your life. And we can see this. I have four words up here. It says, to believe, to think, to feel, and to do. And I want to tell you today that what you believe impacts what you think. What you think impacts how you feel. And can I tell you today, how you feel, whether we like it or not, determines what you do. Why? Because we are a feeling people. Rather than coming back and going, no, I'm going to be determined by what the Word of God says, whether I like it or whether I don't. Remember, faith is, is not what we see. Faith is what we believe. And we can get so consumed with this believing, thinking, feeling, and doing, and what we have to come to a place of going, I believe it, so therefore I'm going to do it. I believe it, so therefore I'm going to do it. I'm not going to sit and, and, and negotiate with the Word of God. Anybody negotiators with the Word of God? The Spirit of God is there. The Word's read. You're reading the Word. Am I the only one that negotiates with the Word of God? Word of God? <laughs> to go, God, are you? No. Well, I, I got that part right, God. And God's going, no, I just want obedience. I just want obedience from you. I want you to believe it, and I want you to do it. I want you to believe it, and I want you to do it. I want you to step into it. I want you to understand it, and I want you to do it. When we allow our feelings to get involved, that's when everything gets clouded. When we allow our thinking to get involved, our human reasoning to get involved, that's when every, we, we begin to reason it away. We begin to explain it away to go, well, no, that may have been for that circumstance, but is that for my circumstance? Someone with a biblical worldview believes his primary reason for existence is to love and to serve God. When we come back to this concept, if, if we have a biblical worldview, we come back and realize God designed me, created me to worship him and to serve him and to honor him. That's a biblical worldview. And so God, if that's the case, how does my life being put in this world, how does it impact the world? If I have a purpose and I have a, if there's a reason for me, can I tell you that's going to determine how I determine what I do in life? The question today is not whether you have a worldview, but whether your worldview is true. Because all of us in this room have worldviews. All of us view our worldview, our culture, view people around us with a perspective. A biblical worldview is not just a theoretical idea. A biblical worldview changes the way that we respond to major events in the world. What do we do when a natural disaster happens? What about tragic events? What about a terrorist attack? What about political turmoil? Someone with a biblical worldview is going to respond to these events through the lens of Scripture, not through how it's impacting them personally. 
While others have their worldview shaken from a disaster, a Christian will respond with trust in God's wisdom, confident in in Christ's future return, and zeal for spreading the gospel. Now, this doesn't remove from us our emotions and our feelings, but can I tell you, this is a settling factor to be able to come back and go, no, the Word of God declares to me, even though life happens, even though there's shipwrecks and uh, storms, I have a God who's still in control of my life. A biblical worldview also informs how Christians prioritize their time, their money, how they respond to leadership, how they walk in relationship with their spouse, how they, how they raise their children, how they handle hurtful words or if they say hurtful words. Can I tell you, when we come back to a biblical worldview, it's not just the grandiose idea of the world, it's how you live your life every single day. It's how you interact with somebody else. If you think of a worldview as a pair of glasses, when we look at the world, if we're putting on broken glasses or distorted glasses, we're going to see the brokenness. And that's why a biblical worldview is so important. Because a biblical worldview, you put on the glasses of of the Bible, and if the world's discolored and the lenses, uh, if the world's if the world is discolored, those those lenses are going to bring a clarity to it. A biblical worldview shows you what the, what the creator intended, what we as a believers should step in and be able to see. But because of sin, our perspective has been distorted. And it's so important that we realize this concept of the biblical worldview. Barna says this, although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, our research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. And today, when we come and we think about this concept of going, you've been a believer for however many years, I've known God for how many years, I've memorized scripture, but are you allowing the word of God to shape you that you know how to integrate core biblical principles into life? That's what it's about. That's what we want to present this morning. So today, I'm going to give you some steps of what this looks like in developing a biblical worldview. Three questions that I want to ask you. Three questions that you must pause and even ask yourself. Hopefully, you'll write these down, and you'll go back, and you'll ask yourself these questions. Number one is, what are my basic beliefs? What are the basic beliefs of my life? What do I believe about God? What do I believe about the world? What do I believe about the Bible? You say, well, Pastor Kevin, that's so basic. No, can I, tell, can I tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. You've got to come to the solidification of what it is that you believe. Why? Because your believing is going to impact how you think. Your thinking is going to impact how you feel. And your feelings are going to impact how you, what you do. So it has to come back to this belief system of what you believe. Your worldview affects how you think about things. Let me ask you today, what do you believe about murder? Is it right or wrong? What do you believe about sex outside of marriage? Is it right or wrong? What do you believe about kindness in relationships? Is it important? What happens after this life? What happens during this life? What happened prior to this life? Can I tell you that your worldview is determined by what you believe about all those things? Your worldview is determined by, do you believe in Genesis chapter 1, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? Do you believe that? Do you believe that it was 
this big explosion or that God in his uniqueness created humanity in their uniqueness. Not only what are your basic beliefs, but what is the big story of the world? A person's worldview also determines how they interpret the past, the present, and the future. When we step back and we begin to look at creation, we begin to look forward to eternity and the span in between, we have to go back and go, what is the big story of life? Is my life consist of 60 years and that's it? It's why there's so much confusion in worldview today. It's so much confusion amongst religions today because they, of this, uh, I'm going to die and that's it, or I'm going to come back as a fly. There's this concept there where there's confusion that we need to come back and go, no, what do I believe about the big story of life? If we know that the Bible is true, because we believe the Bible is true, we've got to go all the way back to Genesis and see creation, and we've got to go all the way to the book of Revelations and see eternity and go, my life fits into this story somewhere, and I believe that it's true. I want to walk my life in a fashion that it's true. Last question is, why do my actions, what do my actions say about my beliefs? And this is where it really comes in where the rubber meets the road, is what do your actions say about what you believe? If you believe these basic beliefs and you believe this big story, how are you living in accordance with those beliefs? Can I tell you today that we cannot disconnect our actions from our believing? What we believe impacts what we think impacts what we feel, which leads to what we do. And I think this disconnection in the Christian world, disconnection in my world, disconnection in my life is, God, I believe things that I'm not doing all the time. Anybody guilty of they're not always doing? This concept that God says, no, I want you to believe it. Well, how do we get to these, how do we get to this place? How do we get to this place of understanding worldview and living in this world the way that we should? Today, I want to give you four steps on how you develop your worldview. Turn to your neighbor and say, develop your worldview. Develop your worldview. Today, it's your responsibility as an individual. Say, it's my responsibility. Come on, it's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to develop your worldview. Can I tell you, you're going to be impacted by a lot of worldviews. You're impacted every single Sunday by this pulpit's worldview, how we declare it. But can I tell you, it's more important what you come to determination in your own heart because we're not going to be there every single day. And our opinions are not always right. Why? Because we're still in a process of a biblical worldview. It's that study to show yourself approved, a workman who rightly handles the word of truth. Can I tell you, we don't just arrive at a biblical worldview. You're going to see that here in just a second. We don't just arrive there. It's something that we have to foster. It's something that we have to live in. It's something that we have to continually adjust in our lives. To develop your worldview, number one, you must learn what is true. Everyone say that with me. Learn what is true. Learn what is true. We kind of, this point, first point here is kind of just a little bit of repetition of kind of where we've been because we know that we've got to know the Bible. We've got to learn the Bible. We've got to be in the, the Word to know the truth. Billy Graham made this statement. He says, today there are more people who know the words to a television commercial than those who know the words in the Bible. I am so fascinated by these people that have these brains that can pop off with lines from movies. 
You know, I mean, and I'm, I, I'm so impressed with him. I'm going, wow, wow. And I began to think about that this week going, man, I wish I was like that. And I started telling him, going, God, I just wish I could pop off with your word. I wish I knew your word that I could just pop off with your word. That it would, that, because I can tell you this, if you don't know the word of God, it's not going to shape you on a daily basis. If you've not hidden his word in your heart, you're not going to know. You're not going to know when a circumstance hits you or you're confronted with situations in your life. You must seek to learn the truth. And I have this word seek here circled in my notes. You must seek to learn the truth. Because learning the truth is an ever ongoing process. It has to be something that drives us that we're seeking after. God's word declares that there is one truth. And that truth is God's truth. Today in our culture, we like to... We like to to go, there's just many truths. Can I tell you that those many truths are just filled with confusion? If you want a biblical worldview, we have to step back and go, no, this book is truth. This book is truth, and it's going to guide my life. It's going to determine how I feel and how I think. To put it really clearly, if the Bible is for it, then I need to be for it. Next statement that's going to be a little bit harsh. If the Bible is against it, then we need to be against it, church. Today in our culture that accepts everything, today in our culture that is political and we don't want to offend anybody, can I tell you, the Word of God, it needs to be the thing that guides our lives. And if the Bible is for it, we're for it. If the Bible is against it, we're against it. It's not about your opinion about the truth. It's not about your opinion about a circumstance. It's, your, it's how you read the Word of God to go, God's Word is the ultimate opinion. It's the believing and doing. Get rid of the feelings. Get rid of the thinking. Get rid of the reasoning. Go, God, you said it, therefore I'm going to do it. Proverbs 23, 23 says this, learn the truth. Everyone say that with me. Learn the truth. Never reject it. Get wisdom, self-control, and understanding. I love this word learn. Anybody learners here? Anybody want to be, that you're proud of learning? You like to learn? There's a, this, this thing in our era today that talks about learning, unlearning, and relearning. How many have heard those three words? Learning, unlearning, and relearning. Can I tell you that many times we learn and we settle in what we've learned? We learn and go, well, that's, the, that's it. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm good. I don't need any more. And I realize with God's word that there's things that I've learned, the truth that I've learned, that new understanding, because it goes on in this passage of scripture, get wisdom, self-control, and gain understanding that as I've grown in Christ, my understanding has shifted. As I've grown in the word of God, my understanding has shifted. It's biblical. It's a process that happens in our life. And I can go back to times when I had an, a learning of, be, of knowledge but as I've grown in Christ, that knowledge has increased. Or there was a distortion in what I had learned based on how I was taught. When I think about these words, learn, unlearn, and relearn, that there's a process in our lives that we have to, we, we learn our culture, we learn our worldview, we learn all that's around us. And a biblical worldview has to come in and go, I'm going to unlearn what the world has tried to conform me to, that I can relearn what God's word has for me that I can relearn it, that I can come in and I can adjust my life. The reason this is so important is when we talk about a counterfeit or a real, there are so many different counterfeit bills in America today. 
There are counterfeiters that are, there, it says that, that daily there are counterfeiters that are making brand new money. And rather than try to just, what, what happens is if, if someone's looking for a counterfeit bill, they're not searching the bill to go, is this counterfeit or not? They're going, is this real or not? There are markers on real bills today, there are, and they've got it newfangled and all the different stuff and how the paper works, but earlier on, they, were, they, they, they could not study all the counterfeits to go, oh, is this a counterfeit or not? They had to go and study what was the real thing. Can I tell you today that we can get so consumed with studying what's wrong in our culture, what the counterfeit is in our culture, that we just need to know what the real is, that we would see what the real is. We've got to come back to what the real God is, what the real word is, what the real truth is. Number two, we need to develop your worldview by discerning what is false. Well, Pastor Kevin, isn't that just obvious? Learn what is true, discern what is false. Didn't you just kind of talk about that? I want you to hear this this morning. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I'm going to ask you this morning, how many in this room have ever been deceived by somebody or something? How many in this room have ever intentionally or unintentionally deceived somebody? Can I tell you that deception is part of human nature? Deception is part of the way that mankind was... The fall of man, not how we were created, but the fall of man happened, and we became deceivers because we became, we came alongside the serpent. We believed his deception, and in our, in our sinfulness, we can get taken captive by deceptive philosophies. This idea of deception is the act of causing someone to accept as true what is false. And I know that there's times in my own life that I can accept what is true based upon my thinking and my feelings when in reality it's false. Anybody out there? Can your, can, can your thoughts cause you to go down the wrong pathway? Can your thoughts get you believing something that really is not true? It's why we come back to the statement, this is my Bible, it's God's word to me. I believe what it says Believe, believe who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. It has to come back to it's an empowering thing that brings this clarity and this vision to us. Discerning what is false. This word to discern is to perceive or to recognize. To distinguish with our sight, and I like this, or with other senses, what is right or what's wrong. Can I tell you today, we live in a culture that is a deceived culture. I don't know about you, but you are deceived every single day of your life by one thing or another. We are bombarded on a regular basis by things that are false that we begin to choose to believe are true. It's so important when we come to this place of saying, God, I need discernment. How do I perceive what is true? What I've realized is this, not all who declare truth are walking in the truth. Can I tell you in all honesty, I want to say that I walk in the truth, but sometimes I'm not walking in the truth. Why? Because I've allowed my, my thinking and my feeling to distort what I believe and how I'm behaving. 
We desperately need the Holy Spirit to give us discernment. We see in the New Testament that the, in, in Corinthians where Paul says the gift, one of the gifts of the Spirit is discernment, the ability to see and to understand and to sense somewhere what's right and wrong. But can I tell you that oftentimes happens to us? The Holy Spirit's present in you and me. That little ah, 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 ah comes up inside of us and we go, eh, you're overreacting, Kevin. Eh, it's just one time. We don't listen to the discernment. We're not aware of the falseness of it. We try to reason the falseness away. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them and see if the Spirit they have comes from God. There's a discernment process. There's a testing process that you're invited into that process. And you will never discern if you do not know this. You will never understand if you do not know this. Pastor Kevin, this is serious. Yeah, this is serious. This is important, the lens in which we see. Develop your worldview, number three, by turning from worldly philosophies. By turning from worldly philosophies. Today, there are massive amounts of philosophies and worldviews. And whether you realize it or not, you're being impacted by all of them. There's a distortion of our Christianity based upon these worldviews that are around us. You step back and you look at the Old Testament, and we can, I, I'm reading through second, uh, First and Second Kings, and you're seeing these kings, and this, this king did what was right in God's eyes, and this king did what was wrong, and did, this king did what was evil, and this king did what was evil. Can I tell you, they were, underst- as we heard a couple weeks ago, Trent, had a, uh, when he talked about it in, in our dialogue back and forth, that the king was responsible to write the law. They knew the law, but yet they did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Because they were distorted by the worldviews of their culture. They were distorted by the circumstances that they were involved in. Today, I want to give you just a few top philosophies and worldviews. I'm going to just hit highlights of them. One One of the major ones is materialism. The one with the most toys wins. Materialism says that the only thing that really matters in life is the acquisition of things. Materialists believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. And Jesus comes and says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Let me ask you today, how many have been sucked into this idea of materialism? Can I tell you, we all have been. We all have been to one degree or another. The next one is individualism. I've got to think of me first. We live in a me first mentality world, a serve yourself world that says it's all about you. If you don't take care of you, no one else will. Can I tell you it's invaded the, cult, the church culture today of self-care? Now I want you to know that God wants us to be caring about ourselves, but not to care about ourselves above the gospel. Matthew, 12, or Matthew chapter 16 Verse 25, it says, if you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find true life. Hedonism, whatever feels good, you do it. Hedonism is simply the desire that says the most important thing in life is how we feel. If it feels good, then it must be good. If it feels bad, then it must be bad. Is this not prevalent in our culture today? I just want to have fun. I just want to have pleasure Proverbs 21, verse 17 says this, Are you addicted to thrills? 
What an Empty Life, Eugene Peterson writes it this way, the pursuit of pleasure is never satisfied. When we step back and we begin to see these cultural issues, these worldviews that are impacting your life and my life, pragmatism, whatever works for you, you know this new statement of you be you, right? In our multicultural, pluralistic world, this one is a real popular view. Your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth. Nobody wants, to, nobody wants to say, no, that's not right. If you do, what happens? Whatever gender you think you are, you're good. Whatever attraction you feel, you're good. Whatever you want to do, you just be you. And the only thing that's wrong in our culture today is that we can't tell somebody that they're wrong. When we think about this concept in Proverbs 14, 12, the writer says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, there is death. Can I tell you that all of us can suck into this concept to go, no, it's my life. I'm just being me. And my truth is my truth, even though I know the Bible's true. But we kind of shift the concepts that are there. Naturalism, which is also known as atheism. God doesn't exist or doesn't matter. It says, I just believe that everything in life is a result of random chance. We're all accidents by nature. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says, From the beginnings of creation, God has shown what he is like by what he has made. That's why those people don't have any excuse. We come back and we have to realize that God revealed himself through this concept of creation. One that's probably overviewing all of these is humanism. You are your own God. This is the view of a New Age movement. If we don't worship God, we worship something. A lot of times, we just make ourselves into the God. We bow before ourselves. We make ourselves the most important. And Romans chapter 1, verse 25 says this, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship created things rather than the Creator. And today, if we as Bible believers, we need to be theists. We come with the understanding that God made me for his purpose. When we look at Judaism, we look at Christianity today, these are theistic worldviews. God made us for a purpose, and that purpose is to love and to serve him and to share that love with others. Today, when we think about a worldview, a Bible worldview, we, we've got to come back and go, God, it's not about me. It's all about you. My life is built for your purposes. God, you designed me for your purposes. You created me for your purposes, not for my purpose, not for my pleasure, but God, for your pleasure. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says this, For everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. So when you and I come back and we begin to think about a biblical worldview, we've got to come back and go, God, what is your purpose in this? The circumstance that I'm involved in, God, what's your purpose in this? The world's doing this, God, what's your purpose in this? God, what does your word tell me about this? Not, God, what I feel about this. Not my opinion about this, but God, what's your word say about this? Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is why Paul's words are so important to us. We can go through all the different isms. And Paul is confronting a culture that is distorted and deceived. And he says, do not conform 
to the pattern of this world. Don't conform to the thinking of this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind through this. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. Then you'll be able to know what steps you are to take. Then you'll be able to know how you are to walk out your life. Do not conform. Can I tell you today, when we step back and we think about all these isms, I can tell you as I began to look at it this week going, God, I want to say I have a biblical worldview, but can I tell you in my life where I've allowed these other isms to come in and distort how I think and how I feel, distort how I want to live my life? Well, no, God, I deserve this. When reality, I have to come back and go, God, how do you want me to live my life? God, my life is yours, and your purpose for me is all that I want to live for. Lastly, developing your worldview, you have to choose. Everyone say choose. Choose God's agenda. We believe, we think, we feel, and we do. We've got to come to a place of going, God, I'm going to do, I'm going to choose your agenda. In this world, this, this, this buffet of isms, this buffet of worldviews, which one am I going to pick? Can I tell you, it's not like a salad bar that we come through and go, oh, I, want a little bit of, I want a little bit of materialism, and I want a little bit of pragmatism, and I want a little bit of this. God's going, no, I am I, I'm the all-inclusive one over here, and that's the only one that you're to put on your plate. And oftentimes, we view his in our distorted perspectives that we're at a dessert buffet and his is the green beans. And we go, no, we know that's probably the best thing for me to eat, but man, that sure looks good. Isn't that the truth? That we step back and we look at God's word, we look at God's a biblical worldview, and we're going, God, you're cramping my style. God, that looks so much better. And God goes, it may look better, but mine is always the best. Why? Because God's not looking through a little window here. He's going from Genesis to Revelation to go from the beginning to the end. I have an eternity for you. I have a reason of what I'm doing. I have a reason and a purpose. You have to choose. You have to choose God's agenda. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, be very careful. Everyone say careful. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Paul's saying, caution, caution, caution in what you think, caution in what you believe, caution in what you know. Don't just be unwise. Don't just swallow everything, but live wise. How do we get wisdom? The beginning of wisdom, Proverbs says, is the fear of the Lord. How do we gain the fear of the Lord? Through understanding who the Lord is. You want wisdom today? You got to get in this book. You want to choose, you want, you want the right, right ending of your life? You've got to choose God's agenda. You got to get off of this buffet line and go, God, I'm going to eat this. As I close, 1 Peter chapter 2 says this. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. I love this. 
Peter understood that people were going to look at, at, at your life. They looked at his life. And they're, and they're like going, you're an idiot. You're judgmental. You're blah, blah, blah. And, it go, and Peter's come back and going, no, live such a good life that the pagans, the people in the world will look at you. They may not agree with you. They may accuse you of what's wrong. But they're going to step back in the end and they're going to go, but I like the deeds that they do. Not for you to get a pat on your back, but that they glorify God in heaven. Can I tell you that oftentimes we like to draw this line in our lives. We like to draw the line in the sand for someone to recognize our belief system. When in reality, if we would step back and go, God, I want to point to you. Help me to do this with graciousness and love. Not with judgmentalism. Not to come and go, oh, you're pagans. Anybody want to be called a pagan? The New Living Translation says this, be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they'll give honor to God when he judges the world. Today, when we think about this concept of worldview, when we think about this biblical worldview, the goal is not for people to go, let me pat you on the back because you're so holy. It's all about him. The goal of every Christ follower is this, these three things. That your character glorifies God. That the results of your life glorify God. That the fruit that you bear in your life, the actions that you portray and how you walk it out glorify Him. It's not about you. It's not about how many toys you can gather and how many people you can gather for influence. It's about what are the fruits in my life that are impacting, that are revealing God. And number three, your behavior glorifies God. A biblical worldview, believe and do. Believe the book. Believe the book. We read this week in Soap on Thursday mornings, a passage that many people in our group pulled out of was, God, I believe, help my unbelief. Can I tell you that God understands your humanity. God completely understands your human reasoning. He understands your makeup. But he also knows his word is truth. And he knows the only thing to get rid of those controversies in your brain is this. It's your choice to step in and go, God, I want my character to reflect you. God, I want, my, I want who I am. I want the results of my life, the fruit of my life to glorify you. Grab your Bibles with me this morning. Once again, let's hold it close to our hearts. Lord, today I thank you for this precious book. I thank you that from the beginning to the end, you have purpose. That none of it was by happenstance, that none of it was by mistake that from beginning, from the first wordings of Genesis all the way to the last wordings of Revelation, there is purpose and there is meaning. And God, today I pray, God, where we have been distorted by our culture, where Paul says we've been conformed, God, I pray that you would help us to fight that being conformed. God, where we've been conformed, would you reveal it to us? Would you just say that this morning? Holy Spirit, would you reveal where I've been conformed to other worldviews? Where I've been distorted, where my thinking has been misaligned, 
God, where I have learned and where I need to step back and unlearn and where you're calling me to relearn. God, all of us are in that zone today. God, your word is life. Your word is life. And God, today I pray, would you transform us through the power of your word today? God, I pray for a deep hunger in every person that's in this room, every person that's listening online, a deep hunger for your word, that we would desire to know you, desire to know you through it, that we would, God, more than just read it, more than just study it, but God, would you help us to memorize it? God, would you help us to meditate on it? Would you help us to allow it to shape who we are? And God, we thank you for it today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you're here today and you need someone to pray with you, our prayer team is at the front at this moment. They would love to pray with you, love to encourage you. There's a lot of things that are coming around the corner. Make sure you're aware of all those things on our church app. And it was great to see you today. Have a fantastic week. See you on Sunday. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.